Is it deja vu, Dave? Another 4-3 loss to the Islanders? We'll break down that game, tee up this weekend's back-to-back, and we're going to have a discussion. Should the Leafs sign Corey Perry? We'll discuss that and more on today's edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leafs centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co-host, Dave Morissuti. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use the promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. What's going on, Dave? How are you feeling on a Friday? Feeling pretty good. Just awaiting this winter storm we have coming in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not looking pretty. Not looking pretty. I'm I'm down in in Niagara visiting the family. It was my brother's birthday this weekend, so we're kind of this is nineteen little decephanal. Yeah, nineteenth birthday. So wow. it's uh yeah, we hit that we hit up the casino last night, and you know hit up the bar afterwards. So it was a good evening for uh, for him, I guess we'll, we'll say. But um, yeah, so it's it's they're expecting a big, big snowfall in Buffalo and being in Niagara Falls, not too far. Usually we get a little leftovers. Um, So, yeah, Saturday is going to be not a very fun one. So I, you know, for the avalanche who are traveling into uh, Toronto, like hopefully they get here pretty safe. Do they play tonight or are they like going to be able to to get here? Uh, it looks see. like they're off. They played actually. It looks like they last played on Wednesday, so they got they've had some days off. So maybe they try and get up here, or maybe they they got ahead of it and and came up yesterday, perhaps try and spend a, a couple days up in Toronto, so that you know they don't have to travel through that uh, terrible storm. And then I don't think they yeah they don't play on Sunday either. So hopefully they can you know, manage the weather, obviously. And hopefully you guys all can manage the weather as well. Weather that storm uh, that's coming in over the weekend. Uh, The Leafs were unable to weather the storm by the Islanders uh, as we transition into last night's game. Uh, They're up 3-1 and end up falling, uh, you know, not falling apart. That's a little harsh, but they they gave up the lead and eventually they lost lost in overtime. 4-3 was the final. Just like what happened uh, last time they were there, except uh, Toronto was the team that came back and and they still lost in overtime. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this time it's the Islanders mounting the comeback and actually finishing things off. Four three was the final. How would you evaluate the least play last night, though, Dave? I you know there were some good parts to it. Obviously, the top line looked really good. I thought the fourth line getting goal was good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were areas of the game that were a little concerning. You know, the Islanders really, especially in that second half of the game, really pushed the pace. Again, as we've seen with this Leafs team, once their opponent starts to up the pace, they have a hard time keeping up with it. And that that proved to be the issue going into, you know, with the uh, with why they lost the game but yeah like 
I, I didn't think they played bad, but there were areas of the game that, you know, they need to be better in. And ultimately that's why they lost. The Islanders were better on special teams. The Islanders, you know, play with a little more urgency as the game went on and the Leafs just couldn't, couldn't counter it. Yeah. You know, I, you know, it's not that they played poorly. Like I said, like, I, I think if you look at how they played at five on five, they probably deserved a better result than they got. Yeah. But to your point, the difference here, I mean, they lost by a goal. If you don't allow those two power play goals, you know, it's, this this is a 3-2 Leafs win, right? Like, those are the two goals that make up the difference in this game. So, yeah, and, and I mean, right off the hop, right, Austin Matthews takes an uncharacteristic penalty. I think it was just his second penalty of the year. And, you know, 30 seconds into the game, you're down one cop, right? Like, that's you never want to be chasing that early while on the road. Um, it was a really weird goal too. just kind of took a, a weird bounce off of, uh, you know, Martin Jones's blocker just kind of landed right in the feet um, of the Islanders player there. Who, who scored it again? It was, um, oh, this is going to Paul Mary, Paul Mary. Paul Mary yeah. The first yeah, one was Paul Mary. Mary. Yeah. Just like right in front there. Um, but like, you know, again, it's not that I thought the least played terrible. It wasn't horrible. Were they as, were they as like, stringent defensively as they were on the California trip. No, but I think we got to give some credit to the Islanders. Like they're just a better team than what we saw against Anaheim, what we saw against San Jose, which is why we were, you know, saying, Hey, this is great. What's happening. However, let's see what they can do against playoff caliber teams. Right. Can they replicate that this upcoming week as their schedule gets a lot tougher can they continue to play that way and continue to only give up one goal a game and Martin Jones put up, you know, ridiculous numbers. Um, obviously last night it was, they, they weren't, you know, able to, to hold them to one allowed four goals uh, in that hockey game. Austin Matthews though, like, like let's, let's get to the good, the bad, the ugly. Cause I think Austin Matthews is someone who we can easily talk about, you know, what was good about last night's game because he was fantastic. I mean, you you look at the goals that he scored. The first one, I really liked it because if you watch that play, you watch that goal, he, like, goes from behind the neck, skates himself right out into the front of the net, but he, like, literally lifts the stick of the defenseman to get through his path so he could get there and then box out the other defenseman. And he's like, give me the puck. I'm here. Gets yeah. the puck and then just kind of, folds it or puts it over to his back end and tucks it in behind Sorokin. It was just like, it was a power move, you know, power move to go right to the front of the net. Hey, give me the puck. I'm in a good spot. And then I'm going to make a move with my stick to get the goalie out of, out of, uh, out of spot and put it in the back of the net. And then just made a nice little cute little, you know, play on that second goal, which also great turnover forced by Tavares to get him in all alone. So I thought Austin Matthews was, uh, was solid again last night. So he was, he was my good in this game. Yeah. He was my good too, because he played really well in this game. And I I think it was even the, the, the sec, his second goal, like the play by Pontus Holmberg to strip the puck and get it to to, uh, Tavares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, To get it all one go there. Uh, like, and, and it was also just how easy the goals looked for Austin Matthews too. Like they were very tough goals that he scored, but he made them look easy. And like, just like a blink, you know, just like a, a snap of your finger, Austin Matthews can take over a game. That's why he is such a, you know, an important player for this Leafs team. 
So, yeah, I thought he was – those goals were good, and I just thought that line was good. You know, Matthew Nyes, we were wondering how he would be after, you know, the injury that he suffered in practice. Didn't look – didn't look any different to me. You know, Mitch yeah. Marner was – you know, doing his thing as usual, getting Austin Matthews, you know, involved in the play too. And I thought, and I thought they were responsible defensively too. They were making, they were making sure that there were factors on both ends of the ice. Yeah. And that's what you want to see from that top unit, obviously, uh, when they're out there, that's, that's when they're at their best. Um, and if you look at the underlying numbers uh, over on natural stat trick, they, at five on five, they were just pure, pure domination. They, they outshot their opponents 10 to nothing and had an 88.5 uh, expected goal rating. Eight nothing were the scoring chances as well um, while that line was out there at five on five. So just, yeah, they dominated last night from from start to finish, and they were real good. They spent a lot of time in the, uh, in the offensive end, obviously. But, you know, what's funny actually is their, their Ozone – uh, faceoff starts was just 25% ozone starts. So they actually started in the defensive end a lot and turned that defense into offense. Whenever that happens, I always think about Mike Babcock too. Like that was something that Babs used to always preach is you can get good offense out of good defense. And then when, you know, a game like that happens where it's, it, it always just kind of reminds me of that I chuckled to myself a little bit when I think about that. Um, the bad, what was bad last night, Dave? Um, I'll go with the overtime goal. Like, you know, that was probably the one thing that the top line didn't handle properly was overtime because they tried that long stretch pass that led to the icing defensive zone draw. You lose a defensive zone draw. And then, you know, in a three on three situation, usually you have a guy you have to keep an eye on. And Jake McCabe just totally lost Matthew Barzell going to the front of the net. Yeah. Great play by Noah Dobson. Like he, I, I think he redeemed himself after that giveaway on the Matthews goal because he was just really good the rest of the game for the Islanders. But yeah, like that, that can't happen. A breakdown defensively like that, you just cannot allow, um, you can't allow that to happen. Uh, so yeah, that's what was my bad. Yeah, I, I have the same one actually. Just you know, I, I it's it's a breakdown off of a off a face off and you got it you got to get that guy obviously and it comes back to to hurt you right killed you um i think like mark giordano too didn't think he had a very good night uh last night he was on the ice for a couple of goals obviously and lost his man a couple times where it's like you got to tie him up you got to make sure that you you know don't let people loose uh, out in front of the goal mouth and even if you look at the underlying numbers again uh you know when he was out there on the ice he was getting worked. Uh, <laughs> worked he was. It was uh, thirteen to six were the shots uh, against him. Um, so he was a dash, it's a dash seven in the shots column last night, and just a forty-four percent expected goals for Mark Giordano when he was on the ice at five on five last night uh, on the ice for a couple of goals as well. So he he's someone else who I considered for uh, for my bad category. Not a great game from Zio Gio. Yeah, I had him kind of wrapped into my ugly just because, you know, that that can't happen. Like when you're you're out on the penalty kill and you get a chance to clear the puck, you clear the damn puck, man. Like yeah. he's been doing yeah. this for a really long time. You yeah. gotta do it. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's like I had special teams as as yeah. my ugly, right? Like they only got one power play opportunity. Uh, and but it didn't look great on, on the opportunity though. Go they go for one. 
But then, you know, they are allowed two power play goals by the Islanders, which we talked about earlier. And man, you're not going to win a lot of games. Like when you're outscored on the on special teams, two nothing, you're you're giving the opposition like a two goal lead essentially right away. Um, it's it's tough to win games that way. So and just again, like you got to clear the puck, got to clear the puck. And we talked about it going into the game. You know, like that's the type of stuff that when they were winning, when 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 they're doing good, it's because they're able to clear the zone. They're able to transition up ice. Uh, quickly, efficiently, and effectively. They weren't having as many get, uh, turnovers. Like we said, limit turnovers. That's going to be a key in this game. And obviously, you know, you look at that goal there, unable to get the puck out, turns it over at the blue line, and, uh, you know, they, they end up making you pay. So uh, the special teams, and even afterwards, if you listen back to Sheldon Keefe's game, he was like, yeah, special teams were awful tonight. <laughs> like He wasn't mincing words. He was not pleased with uh with his team's effort on uh, the penalty kill and and the one power play they got so uh, for me I, i'm i'm aligning with sheldon keith that was uh, uh it was it was an ugly performance from those guys yeah it was deflating i you know the Giordano one just you're just like come on like get yeah. that puck out and then yeah the second one like the, the second one too with dobson getting the shot or actually that was the play where dobson got the shot through but like you, you can't give your opponent those opportunities back not on five on five. Like when you, you have to win those special teams battles, right? Um, obviously, yeah, the power play, they didn't really have that many opportunities, but yeah, you, you play better on, pe- even if you allow only one of those game those goals on the penalty kill, you, you probably win that game. Like that was what? a winnable game based on just not being able to get the, uh, the stops on the on the on the penalty kill and also should also mention allowing your the team to score 40 seconds into the game not a fan of that especially like paul mary just kind of you know getting himself an opportunity that early and um it wasn't i I guess it wasn't the best it was a tough situation um like jones was definitely fighting it a little bit more maybe Pump the brakes a little bit on the Martin Jones Vesna trophy <laughs> watch, like a lot of people were putting out playing against. Yeah, like- I, I hope that was tongue in cheek, but uh, I, yeah, I it's it's interesting. I it's gonna be interesting what happens this upcoming weekend. Why don't we take a break? Let's mm-hmm. come back, let's chat about the back to back. They've got Colorado and Detroit both coming to town, and there's gonna have to be a decision to be made. I don't think they're gonna want to send Martin Jones out there for another back-to-back. I I just don't see it happening. Twice in one week would be uh, kind of asinine, to be honest with you. So uh, I I would be curious to see if they're willing to go that route. I don't think so. But let's have that chat on the other side. But before we get into all that, I want to tell you guys about one of today's show sponsors, and it's our good friends over at Sleeper. It's almost halfway. Uh, it's almost a halfway point in the season, Leaf fans. Regardless of where we are in the standings, I want to remind you that you can win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey. Because of Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy 
hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether studs like McDavid, McKinnon, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Tavares, whoever will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in any given game. To win 100 times your bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Lee fans. You can win 100 times your money by playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. We are a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast. We got new episodes coming out each and every weekday, uh, Monday through Friday. So if you haven't uh, subscribed yet and you're interested in you know knowing what's going on day-to-day with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and also up on YouTube. Just search up Locked On Leafs. Um, all right, so... We'll put the Islanders game in the rear view mirror. Toronto heading back home for a back-to-back this weekend prior to uh, that little Western Canadian uh, road trip that they're going to take next week. Uh, But we take a look at who's coming to town. They've got the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday. They've got the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday. And like we were talking about before the break, Dave, I don't envision this team going back to back with Martin Jones again. Uh, are you with me on that? Or are you going to give me some pushback there? Like, no. Is there any, any explanation why they go back to back with him again? No. And like, I, I can't remember who somebody was trying to argue and say that. Yeah, he very well could play back to back. I get it that they're home and it's not like there's travel involved. We're talking about playing back to back games. Then you have a road trip out west coming up. Like, there's not an opportunity we're going to give Martin Jones a lot of rest after playing him in another back to back. And we're talking about the Colorado Avalanche. It's not going to be an easy game for him. This is not like, you know, where he had the three nothing shutout against LA. He didn't really face as much in that game. And then you see that Anaheim's next. Like, you know what? We can take the chance that he can go back to back in that one. This is, this means a little bit more. And, like Martin Jones is your only guy right now that you're comfortable starting. Don't put him in a position where he might get injured because you want to put him in a back-to-back situation that clearly it's one game. Find somebody else to start. Yeah. I mean, we said that also back when he, he, you know, it was back-to-back against Anaheim and San Jose and, uh, or no LA and, and Anaheim. And it's like, it's, it's the ducks. They're not a great team. You could probably start Hill to be here. And they did not. Uh, they decided to go back to back and they've played Martin Jones ever since. The problem is, Dave, here's the problem. Or not really the problem, but the, the question is, who is that guy who's going to start on Sunday? Like as of now, as of today, the number two goalie on the roster is Ilya Samsonov. Do you think Ilya Samsonov is ready to get back into the goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs as early as this Sunday? I mean, the only person that knows that is Elias Samsonov. I personally don't think so. Yeah. Um, you know, he did He did finally speak about getting benched. He did say, you know, it was a wake-up call to be, you know, put on waivers. And also probably a wake-up call that nobody claimed him off of waivers too. But I, I just don't know if 
this amount of time was enough to give him that reset that the team feels he needs because he's only been away for what a week. It was it was like eight days. It was eight days that he was gone from the team before being called back up. Yeah, but I think I I just don't know. I mean, look, the team might decide that you know what he's doing the right things. He's doing everything he needs to do, but. It's it's more so. Does he have that confidence? And we've seen his confidence is really shaky. And this yeah. talking, we're talking about putting him into a back to back situation where usually your team doesn't play as well on the second game of the back to back. And the Detroit Red Wings, they're not a terrible team. They're not a, a you know, they're not the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, but you're not you're not throwing them out into a, a you know an easy game by any means. Yeah. It's not San Jose. No, it's it's not San Jose. We 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 know that's that that is the case here, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I it's going to be fascinating to see what they end up doing. I I know when when Sheldon Keith spoke about the decision to uh, call up Samsonov and send Hill to be down, it was to get Hill to be uh, you know some game action, and he's going to play for the Marlies Friday. Like he's playing today for the Marlies and, you know, that'll be his first game action in over a week since he spent, you know, uh, 10 or so days without playing because he was backing up Martin Jones. So they're like, we got to get this guy a game. And they did it down in the minors. I wonder, I wonder if after that game, they say, hey, stick around, <laughs> stick around. Actually, I'd, I'd be curious. Check for me and see if the Marlies are playing in Toronto or if they're uh, elsewhere, see if it's a home game, but if they say stick around, cause I think we're going to need you on Sunday and, and maybe that's when he gets his first game. And then we see another little paper transaction. Cause Hey, Samsonov, he can, he can go up and down now. Like he cleared, like yeah. they can send him down. He, until he's on the roster for 30 days or 10 games, whatever it is. Um, he can go up and down through waivers without, you know, being subject, and, and even if he is subject, I don't think anyone's going to claim him anyways, but they can willy-nilly make that move, and uh, I I would not be surprised if that's if that's the move. That's what I would do. I think that's what I would do, because I, I just don't think Sammy's ready to go yet, uh, and I don't know if it's proper to do it on the second half of a back-to-back either. Like, it, yeah. it, it's just, it's not a good situation for him to come back in if the team's not going to be at a hundred percent and ready to go. Yeah, no, I, I just don't think it's responsible to do that. Yeah. You know, it would have been nice and I understand maybe why they didn't do it, but it would have been nice if Samsonov could have gone into a game with the Marlies, but the Marlies also just haven't been playing. So it really wasn't that opportunity. Well, to give. I, 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 I don't know if that's the case either though. Like, honestly, yeah. I, I think they look at the Jack Campbell situation and they're like, well, that guy got sent back down to the Marlies and then got lit up and he has not been the same since. Like, how bad is that going to be for your confidence where you're getting lit up in the NHL and then you go down to the Marlies and if you give up a four or five spot, how good is that going to feel? That's not going to help your confidence. So I yeah. actually do like the fact that he didn't play any games down there. Because that possibility was there, and then then he's really gone. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, like, what's if you can't get it done? I mean, the Marlies haven't been great lately either. Obviously, they have been without their top goaltender for this stretch. Yeah, uh, I, I, here's what I would say: is is at the NHL level, you have you have more structure, 
So, yeah. you know, what's in front of you is a lot is a lot more insulating than what's, you know, happening in the in the American League. And for a guy who's battling, I think you want as much structure as possible in front of him. So in the Marlies, you're not going to get that. And that could be bad news bears for a guy that's allowing pretty easy flub shots to go into the back of the net. You also have, you know, structural breakdowns on top of that. It probably won't go well for him there either. So I think with Toronto, at least you can trust that you'll get a bit more structure and maybe, you know, they get an easy 20 save performance uh, out of him as opposed to kind of being peppered down in the minors. That that's yeah. that's what I think was the, the yeah I think and, and and that's totally fair. I I do think that the this situation like you know with Samsonov, you, you I think you you kind of need to send him a little bit of a message too in that regard, right? Like the team has a back to back coming up, but right now we just don't trust you to play in that. And like it might send the wrong message. At the same time, it's like the Leafs need to win. The Leafs are in a fight right now in the Atlantic Division to even stay. You know, in distance, in closing distance with the Panthers and the uh, and the Bruins and the and the and the Panthers keep winning. Oh, like, they, they don't lose, man. This team don't lose. They don't. So yeah, you're right. They they got to keep up with the Joneses in the division. Every point is valuable, and uh, they they kind of gave up a point last night. They had a two goal lead in the third period, and and you know were unable to to capitalize and and finish it off, and only walked away with one. So. Um, points uh, become more valuable as the season prolongs. That's for sure. So we'll see what they can do. Like you said, they got a tough matchup against Nathan McKinnon and Kel McCarr Saturday night coming to Toronto. Should be a great game, though. Like I'm excited for that one. That'll be a really fun game to watch. Like just the star power that's going to be on the ice in that game is going to be incredible. And then uh, the next night, yeah, everyone's going to be watching to see who's going to get the nod in net Sunday against Detroit. All right, let's uh, come back and let's get into this conversation about Corey Perry. I saw Carlo Coliacomo talking about this on the morning show yesterday and and whether or not there may or may not be interest from the Maple Leafs uh, when it comes to bringing Corey Perry into the fold. Let's give our thoughts on whether or not we think that should be uh, a situation or a path that the Leafs should go down. So we'll get to that. On the other side, I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. You're listening to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Leafs Podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin, right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. Maybe even you're considering traveling somewhere the, the, over the next few months. The last thing you want to be is unprepared to take care of yourself or a loved one if you fall ill. Jace Medical can give you peace of mind before you even hop on a flight. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to prepare than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use Locked On, the offer code Locked On, to get $20 off your order at jacemedical.com. 
Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti with you. Uh, Corey Perry is uh, is a person of interest right now in the Toronto market. There was a report the other day that uh, he was eligible to sign with, with any team. In fact, he apparently had always been eligible to yeah. sign with teams, but he went and he met with uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman about maybe returning to the league uh, to be fair. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the details of the conversation were. I wasn't there. Was, was there more to that report? But I think regardless. it was more so like he was eligible to sign, but teams are weary to sign a player given what happened in Chicago. And they want to make sure that anything that he was involved with wouldn't come back to bite them if they decide to sign him. So basically Gary Bettman provided Corey Perry, the, the path, to get back to the NHL based on, you know, he could sign. It's just whether teams were comfortable signing him. Right. And now, obviously, that fan bases know that Corey Perry is available if if teams want to go there. Um, and that quickly prompts the discourse and conversation within Leafs Nation. We should bring in Corey Perry. I mean, this has been a conversation for like three, four years Right, like this guy, since he, since he's, you know, was was in Dallas, you know, spurned us for for the Dallas uh, Stars that year, and then the following season decides to go to to Montreal, and then he was in Tampa for a couple of years, and uh, you know, I, I think now you look at Corey Perry and you think to yourself, is he still worth going after? Is he still worth bringing in someone who's won a Stanley Cup? He's been to multiple Cup Finals. Um, what say you, Dave? You got any interest in having a conversation with Corey Perry? Well, I don't. It's not what the team needs. I, I'm I'm sorry to say this. Like I understand why people have an interest in Corey Perry. The, the reason why could, I don't think he could use an a hole. I mean, yeah, you could you could very could well use an a hole. You could also use guys that keep the puck out of your own net, right? Sure. Which is not exactly Corey Perry's forte. Now, do I think Corey Perry, if they at least decide, you know what, Corey Perry would be a guy I'd be interested in? By all means, I think, yeah, it would be nice to have that guy go up, you know, if we have a uh, a series against the Panthers and you are the Bruins and you want to make sure you have that edge that clearly Ryan Reeves can't bring. And I think I'm more inclined to go with the Corey Perry over a Ryan Reeves in the lineup based on right. what they, right? If that's the case, if my choice was Corey Perry, or Ryan Reeves, Corey Perry all day, I have that's not the issue here. The issue is Leafs don't exactly have a lot of contract space and the cap space. Yeah, they got the some of the money, you know, brought back from the uh, Klingberg LTIR, but you know, Ryan Reeves is eventually going to have to come back. You have to make these salaries all work, and the Leafs have bigger needs right now. Yeah, but like he'll sign a minimum deal and then they'll just be able to send somebody down. Like I, I'm yeah. I'm not worried about the contract situation. The contract, the number of contracts is an interesting uh thing. Like I'm curious how many they do have if they're up against it with like 40. have forty seven right now. Okay. Uh they could they could afford, I think, then to to use one more, and then have two left over, and they could always make a trade and and move out like some lower level prospects that that are signed and right. just to make things work. But I think um, I I think I'd be interested in this. I, I really do. 
Uh, I think that this team wants someone who's got some sandpaper, who's got some, you know, piss and vinegar to him. It's got some snot. Like if anyone's got snot, it's Corey Perry. So I would believe uh, that Brad Trilliving, who, I mean, Trilliving came from the Pacific Division in Calgary, right? He was there for years. Uh, he played, he, his teams played against Corey Perry many, many times. He knows what Corey Perry can bring, obviously. Um, so I do like wonder if he would like to bring him in. I like, for me, I look at it and it's okay. Corey Perry or Ryan Reeves. I think you're 100% would prefer to have Corey Perry in your lineup on a nightly basis. And you know that he's a playoff performer. We know that that's where he comes alive, right? Like he's a guy who will stick up for your team. He will get under the skin of, of, of others. He can, you know, play on the power play if he wants to. Uh, and, and he could just get under your skin. His guy just goes to the net and, you know, he'll take a beating, but he'll go there and he'll bang out rebounds and score those dirty, greasy goals that you have to come playoff time. I really believe that Corey Perry, especially when this team does still lack a little bit of scoring on that fourth line. I think if you add a guy like him who, who scores by going to those areas is, probably a beneficial thing to have um come playoff time and again i think it'd just be honestly like a a, a one year eight hundred dollar contract like league minimum deal uh for Corey perry and he's someone who can go in and out of the lineup depending on what's going on what team you're playing how well he's playing injuries whatever happens i believe that Corey perry would be a, a beneficial player to at least have as, as an option if they want him yeah i think and i have to also forget i always tend to forget the least have eight defensemen right now on the roster they can easily you know move someone down like i i think yeah Corey perry you know for for the reasons we you, you just stated i think he could very well fit if if the case is that you're not put if if they're intent on not having ryan reese play yes i'd rather have Corey perry in there um yeah and like probably now nah, i'm not saying he's a better player than nick nick robertson but i think in terms of role and what he can provide lower in the lineup probably a little more suited for that lower in the lineup role he you've seen him do it the last few years uh with tampa and you know even with chicago he wasn't doing a he wasn't well, bad i mean he wasn't a four million dollar player that was just chicago trying to be salary cap compliant yeah, uh, but he was he was fulfilling a role there in Chicago before everything kind of went uh, went the wrong way there. Yeah, hundred percent he was. And like last, like this guy. When I say playoff performer, like he got five points last year in six playoff games for Tampa. He had eleven points the year before that, ten points the year before that. Like the guy is just he knows how to get it done. He's got a hundred and twenty four points. Uh, in the playoffs, 53 goals. Like he he is a playoff performer through and through, and that's like, he's a guy who can close. He's a guy who has killer instinct, which is something that even to bring into the organization to maybe rub on to some of these other guys. Um, I think like like he'll carry you into the fight. Like whether or not you want to be there, he'll carry the team into the fight. And I think Toronto maybe needs someone like that, but someone who can actually score 
and actually benefit you in more ways than Ryan Reeves, who just is just like he'll fight, but he's not going to be able to to go to the net, get under people's skin, and actually you know be a good hockey player at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I'd I'd consider it if I was Toronto. I would consider it. Yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say no. That's all no. I'm going to say. Now there is the obvious issue that and caveat that we still don't know exactly what happened in Chicago. Uh, what we do know is that uh, considering there has yet to be any filed or charges filed or anything, it was not a criminal situation mm-hmm. that happened. So whether or not that uh, that'll play a, a part in what happens with Corey Perry in his future, obviously, you know, has a part in this conversation, but I think we were coming at it from a hockey player perspective. I'll, I'll add, I'll add, because I do think Ellie Freeman did address this on 32 Thoughts podcast, and he said, if it was any other team but Chicago, this likely would not have led to a contract termination. What happened? Yes, yes, and and I do recall that being said by a lot of inside hockey people at the time who do know more about the situation. Mm-hmm. Um that basically said if this wasn't with the Blackhawks, with their, you know, what's going on with them or what has happened with them in the Kyle Beach situation, uh, yeah, there's a chance that Perry it never would have got that far. Um, so whether that, whatever, however you want to take that, uh, does that mean that, you know, other teams would be interested in, in signing him still? Perhaps, I don't know. But it's definitely something and a name to monitor uh, as you know, teams try and firm up their uh, their their rosters. I mean, the trade deadline is just a couple of months away. You can still sign guys uh, up until that point as well, who can help you for a playoff push. And hey, I think Corey Perry would be a nice addition to this Leafs lineup. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all platforms and receive daily leaves content follow myself on uh, x at mickey underscore canuck follow dave at d underscore more studio follow the show as well at locked on leaves way back with another episode on monday enjoy the weekend folks enjoy the games go leaves go until then keep locked right here on locked on leaves